0: Hello everyone, this is Rick with the CyberPro Podcast where industry leaders share their insights. It's more than five questions in less than nine minutes because hackers never sleep. So let's get to it. I'm excited for our guest today, an Air Force veteran. Question number one, who are you and what do you do?
1: Hey Rick, uh, so thanks for having me. My name is Jason Morris. So right now wearing a lot of hats. Um, I'm a technology strategist at Microsoft focused in um, healthcare and ISVs for a partner ecosystem. And um, also an adjunct professor for University of Maryland School of Business, uh, the Robert Smith School of Business. So I teach a big data and artificial intelligence course.
0: Wow, that's impressive. I mean, Thanks. not that not that teaching isn't awesome. I've, I've done that in the past, but the fact that you know having the Microsoft gig and gives you the ability to go do other stuff. So,
1: <laughs> <It's> helpful, <laughs> which yeah. is
0: which is good. You, you mentioned you teach something on big data. What uh, what got you into the data side of the house?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, my career when I started, I worked at a hosting company as like a systems engineer, and I kind of just fell into this big data space. I was working with um, a group of researchers that I'm still best friends with, and I was really fascinated by just the, the problems that we had to solve. You know, I remember the hosting company, we used to just either store data on tapes or just get rid of it. And uh, because, you know, storage was expensive back then. Um, And so now within cloud computing and the storage uh, options that we have available, you know, we have so many different things that we can pull out of that data and so many insights and um, taking machine learning algorithms from like 1940s and 50s and trying it against these terabytes and petabytes of data. Um, And then that and then having that specialized compute of like FPGAs and and GPUs to like really push the metal. uh, I just instantly was attracted to that.
0: Nice. I I haven't dug into the big data side of the house, but obviously I work in a field that focuses on machine learning. So data is clutch. Um, So I'm always respectful of those people who have made this a career because my brain just hurts sometimes.
1: (laughs) I hear it every day.
0: Something. Question number two, what's the best thing about being a cyber or IT professional?
1: I would have to say the the people that I work with um, of all diverse backgrounds You know, it's the professionals that I've learned from, the the mentors that I've had and and some of my bosses that I've really respected um, have helped me and, and guide me to be more of a technology professional in the career. You know, and I really would say that the other thing is just how technology is so ingrained with everything around the world that it's never boring you know, even from the smallest database at a small company to quantum computing, you know, there's technology everywhere. And so it's such a driving force. It's almost like the rest of the world's looking at technology professionals like ourselves, you know, to really push the limits to see how far we can go uh, in technology advancements.
0: All right. Question number three, tons of leaders, industry experts, all these folks are telling me that cybersecurity is a top concern, IT security, you name it, it's a top concern. I want to pivot that question a little bit. I want to know what that means to you. But then I want you to tell me, how does data interact with that?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, so cybersecurity, especially, you know, when you're talking about like the cloud space, for example, um, some individuals have this concern that they're giving up their resources or their data to a provider that they can't touch or see or feel. Um, back in the day, we used to call them like server huggers. You know, they wanted their own server. They named their server. That was their server. They could feel it and see it. And it was in their walls. It was secure, right? Um, and so that mind that, that parallel shift that mind frame of now seeing like, hey, um, i have to trust a, a vendor with my with my uh, data and my security that's a new way of thinking it's like i have to make sure that i'm not exposed on the data side i mean you name it from anywhere from you know financial regulated data to hospital data to patient data you know that's always come up as um, something that we need to protect and secure but then you're starting to see a lot more push towards data privacy right so people are starting to really understand well wait a minute you know, this social networking site that I'm using isn't free. I didn't understand the currency before. The currency is now my data. And so I don't want so-and-so to try to sell me like Tide Pods all day. Or, you know, I want to protect my data as much as possible. And I also don't want some <clears throat> ransomware person stealing my data and, and blackmailing. me. You know, I mean, the scenarios go on and on here. So um, you're starting to see a lot more people become more data aware and security conscious.
0: Do you think that consumers have a different mindset of data versus businesses as they're trying to drive cybersecurity uh, awareness for their business case?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like Consumers, and I I don't want to speak for all consumers, right? Like there's some super sharp consumers out there, but I would say like your average consumer, you know, probably already knows about um, recommendation engines, right? Like Netflix, Intelligent Next Movie, or Amazon for the next product, right? Um, The business side of the house, it's interesting because they obviously have been doing this for quite some time. Uh, You know, the show Mad Men kind of flashes into my head right now of this ad space. I mean, it's been around for the longest time, as long as there's somebody that's interested in buying something, someone's gonna to try to sell it. Um, and I think there has to be some type of tie between consumers and businesses that have some type of shared data platform or vision of just giving enough data to have that where you're not giving up you know, everything about yourself just to get these recommendations for some products.
0: Very insightful answer. Let's jump into question number four. What insight do you want to share with other experts?
1: I would say, um, don't get pigeonholed into your position and think that this is pretty much it. I mean, the field itself is the same thing. I tell my students that, you know, when they graduate, um, you're not done learning. You've picked the field where you're going to reinvent uh, reinvent yourself consistently. And um, yeah, as I mentioned before, I was a systems engineer, you know, way back in the day where um, I managed about five or six different operating systems at a given time, you know, now my job's one script or one line of Python, right? So, you know, I, I, I now have um, different types of automation to do all those things, right? So for, you know, professionals in the field, um, don't get stuck on just one thing and loop through, like really branch out, especially if you're looking, you know, as a security expert, Uh, or cyber expert looking into the data and AI space. It's really, really starting to pick up. Um, And you're starting to see kind of data and AI figure out, you know, not only is it great for just machine learning, artificial intelligence, for statistics, and maybe for some modeling, but we can start applying some of these techniques to defense, you know, and network defense and topology and try to figure out, um, you know, who was on the network and why is the printer now an FTP server and, you know, all kinds of fun things like that doing real-time analytics and large data.
0: Nice. I'm going to add a follow up question before we get to our final question. And as an educator, I'd be curious your take on this. There are all sorts of quick certs and, and boot camps, uh, and obviously higher education, right? The four years, the two years, and those things. And and you teach at the higher education level. My question is this: Is there value in auditing or paying for classes that may not lead to a certification? Do you think you'd get more from that than if you already have a degree right let's say you already have that degree then jumping into a boot camp or a certification
1: so this question is always tricky for me since i'm completely self-taught um so i would say that and i've given this recommendation before um the boot camps i've definitely feel that for people especially like for example in in data science um i had someone that was in biotech in the boot camp to become a data scientist and she asked me like hey is this even you know uh, worth my time like you know, is my biotech background worth anything? So absolutely. It's like, you are now a subject matter expert in that, you know, biotech. Like, I don't know, I can make the data look anything I want, right? Like I can run it in pandas, I can just do things. I don't have that background, you do. But now you have the background as a data scientist, you have the certifications, you have an understanding of how to work as a data scientist with a biotech background, right? So that's extremely valuable. Um, and then, you know, within universities and, you know in technology, I mean, absolutely. Like getting that fundamental knowledge down you know, that's absolutely helpful. There's some things, of, especially in the fundamentals, are going to stay the same in technology, but don't get really tied into just one technology or one framework. I know that I talk to some professionals or some folks are like, oh, I, I really love this application. And I'm like, cool, but maybe in five years it's gone and you're going to be that person that's still doing that same thing. So, you know, try to tackle the problem and just use these technology
0: frameworks as tools. Nice. Fifth and final question. Fun question, what's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile?
1: My Game Boy Color that I've modded. Um, I put the Freckle Shack mods, so they got an LED or LCD screen on it, and uh, I just play Tetris all day and I love it. <laughs> and I know that I have a Switch, the Switch is great and all that, but like, um, you know, I feel that's pretty retro. And then not so retro, but I still have to give it a shout out, is my Nokia N900, uh, one of the best phones that I think I've ever had in my entire life. It ran Linux. It had everything I ever needed, and I really wish that the phone uh, platform really was just adopted, um, but I absolutely love that phone, and I haven't had anything better since. <laughs> nice.
0: We won't We won't tell Apple or Google that. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let them know. That This has been great. This is this is it. You did it. More than five questions in about nine minutes, because that's what we do here. It was epic having you on. Folks, check out the rest of the CyberPro podcast. Stay awesome.